Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. The men's USA basketball team is still the heavy favorites, even after the loss to France and some other gold medal odds. You have the USA minus 300, Australia plus 800, Spain plus 900, France with the big win over USA at plus 1100. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, Head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What up, Pizza Get Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka TCK Pod. This is episode 420. I got my man Kyle back in from the fantasy football boom bust squad he's been on a handful of times in the last month which is nice we got some new families so we like to uh, represent each other and bring them on as much as possible and today he gets to uh, put his fan hat on which he's already got on which is nice and we're going to talk about the nfc east team previews bobby is going to handle the eagles and the giants with a special guest and my man kyle and i are going to handle the dallas cowboys and the washington football team before we get into this, if you have not yet checked out our series of the fantasy football team previews, I strongly recommend you do that. We've been breaking down every single team. We're not through them all yet, but we're breaking down every single team for fantasy football with as often as we can with a guest that is actually a fan of the team. And that adds a little bit more fun because a lot of times as fantasy analysts, we don't get the opportunity to talk about our teams uh, with fan hats on because we have to kind of put that bias aside. But we are not doing that now. We get to uh, talk about our, our teams, and uh, so we're having guests on that are fantasy analysts, but also fans of those particular teams. So it's a lot of fun. So without any further ado, let's bring in my man, Kyle Dozier. Kyle, great to have you back on, man. This is, uh, I think it was three times in maybe as many weeks. Uh, you're, you're becoming a regular here on the uh, <laughs> the uh, TCK pod, man. It's, uh, it's, it's good to go, bro. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think I've been on here more than I've been on Boom Bust the last few weeks. So uh. <laughs> it's a steal, bro. That's a, that's how you do it. See, we 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 recruit people in, you know, and then we're just kind of like, I hey, guess what, you're on our team now. So that's how yeah. it goes. So I'm TCK now, apparently. Uh, there we go, brother. I won't have much uh, in the way of info about the Red. Uh, well, not the Redskins, the football mm-hmm. team. I still cringe mm-hmm. about that name, the Washington sure. Football Team. But mm-hmm. I'm ready to dig into some Cowboys. Excellent, man. Excellent. So, uh, really quick here, let's let's talk about your fandom for like a minute. Um, so you are based out of Oklahoma currently. Um, Mm -hmm. are you guys and you and your brother? We haven't had Corey on yet somehow, but uh, you and your brother run uh, Boom Bust Fantasy Football. Um, Mm -hmm. at Boom Bust Fantasy Football. Make sure you guys go check out and and give those boys a follow on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and all that and uh, Instagram as well. Um, but you guys are Cowboys fans. You live in Oklahoma. Are do you have a Texas connection as well, or just the uh, favorite team in the area? Just favorite team in the area. Oklahoma doesn't have a team. Uh, mom and dad were fans growing up, and it rubbed off. So uh, I was actually alive and watched the last Super Bowl that we won. It's been a while, 
1995. I was, I was very, well. I was very young. I was nine <laughs> years old. Um, <laughs> so it's been a minute. I'm getting a little up there in years now. So, uh, I do, I do actually remember that, but, yeah. um, yeah, it was just parents fandom rubbed off on me and my brother and we've been bleeding blue and silver ever since. That's awesome, man. That happens a lot. Of course, I'm a Niner guy, too. My parents, uh, my grandparents had uh, season tickets to the 49ers at Old Candlestick Park. My dad did as well. He was at the catch game. He was at the Super Bowl, um, a number of the Super Bowls in the 80s. And the first game I remember is 1994 Super Bowl, the one before you guys, uh, when my Niners were able to beat the Chargers. You guys came up the next year and uh, got past the uh, rival Steelers there. I remember that game. Um, quite well, actually. Uh, that was a hell of a team, too. That Steelers team was great, but um, made it happen. So big rivalry with the Niners and Cowboys over the years. So I'm sure you grew up uh, despising the Niners, and I grew up despising the Cowboys, but <laughs> didn't uh, didn't hate them as much. Here we are being grown-ass adults uh, in the same room, <laughs> being cordial. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hate oh, there, as much there you as go. the Eagles, but, uh, you know, it uh, it is what it is. <laughs> That's the rivalry, man. All right, brother. Well, without any further ado, man, let's kick this off here. We got a lot of teams to cover because, you know, some of these teams don't have a lot of fantasy uh, impact, frankly. I mean, you could talk about players all day long, but they don't necessarily have fantasy impact. Well, you talk about the Cowboys and the football team, man. I mean, quite literally everybody on these squads has something to do with fantasy football. So we've got a lot to cover today. We'll try to yeah. squeeze it within an hour and see how we do. I'm going to let you kick off, my man, with your Cowboys and with Dak Prescott. Of course, last year goes down in week five. He was absolutely on fire uh, before that, um, but he's back now. It looks good. Had a little bit of a twitch in practice the other day, uh, a little shoulder uh, back issue, but I think he's going to be just fine. How do you feel about Dak Prescott this year? And, and we'll just kind of do it position by position, throw down Dak. I'll reply to you. We'll get into Zeke, and we'll just kind of move down the ladder there. Yeah, so Dak was on pace for a ridiculous season last year when he went down, which broke my heart. Uh, <laughs> it broke everybody's heart because you're in fantasy now too, man. I mean, I had him on was, a few teams. It was brutal. I almost, like I was my I was in shock when it happened. I couldn't believe it actually happened because he was playing so well. But um, so yeah, he was on pace for record yards, record uh, completions. I mean, he was on pace for almost six thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Is ridiculous. Um, fewer rushing than his high, but you know, uh, he only really rushes when he needs to. He doesn't rush that often because they throw so dang much. But with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Gallup, who needs to, to run, right? Right. Um, but going into this year, he looks healthy. Like you said, he had that little bit of a little bit of an arm issue, some soreness. Was it yesterday in practice? And they pulled him. And, um, Nobody's concerned about it, so he'll be back in a couple of days probably, and um, it's probably just a lack of activity over the last year, you know. Right. But um, this year, I, you know, fantasy wise, I have no, no concerns whatsoever about his health uh, or about that leg. Um, as far as drafting him goes, I think, uh, I think he's gonna finish in the top three of fantasy quarterbacks. Like I mean, that. if you look at you look at all the weapons that he's got down there, not to mention that offensive line is way better pass protection when healthy mm-hmm. um, than, you know, run blocking line. But um, 
the key there is keeping them healthy. Some of those offensive linemen are getting a little, little long in the tooth and uh, having a harder, harder. Tyron Smith, I think, misses a couple of games every year. Last year, he missed a huge chunk of the season. Zach Martin missed a chunk. Um, Leo Collins missed the whole season. Of course, Travis Frederick retired. And so they struggled last year. So even after Dak went down, the line going down didn't help matters for for Andy Dalton and the other hodgepodge of guys we ran out there when he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we just picked someone out of the front row and said, hey, you're quarterback tonight. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was impressive what the Cowboys were able to do. Even when Dak Prescott went down, they were still ninth in overall offense. They would have been first if Dak kept that pace, obviously. But they ended up ninth, even with down in, in in week five. There, you mentioned he was on pace for about six thousand yards, and you see do, two different metrics. We look at that number because some people will count the game five when he got hurt, and that's about fifty nine hundred yards. If you just shut it down at week four before the half game in, in week five, he was well over six thousand yards on average yeah. um, before his injury. Peyton Manning has the record uh, for most pass yards in a season, and Dak Prescott was on pace to shatter it by thirteen hundred. Yards, obviously, that's insane because we're only that's taking a about lot. a four and a half. Yeah, we're only taking about a four and a half game uh, uh, sample size, so it's it's ridiculous to even talk about these numbers. But it just puts into perspective how incredible he actually was. Uh, Three hundred and seventy-one pass yards per game last year is thirty more pass yards per game than Drew Brees and Peyton Manning have as the current NFL record at about th- you know three hundred forty-three um, per game, which is absolutely phenomenal. So. Again, it's hard to say that he would keep that pace, but the reality is they didn't lose any pieces, right? Like Jarwin's coming back. Dak is coming back. Zeke is, is has trimmed down. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Those guys are getting healthier this year. Um, Tyrone Smith is down at 308. Now, look, for, for, for a, a, a everyday human being, 300 pounds is a big person. For an NFL lineman, that's tiny. <laughs> I it mean, is. this dude is like shredded offensive tackle, which you just don't see very often. So they're in very good shape. They're getting healthy. Um, I expect a huge return from Dak Prescott in this offense overall. And, of course, we'll talk about the rest of the guys here. But I also do not have any issues drafting him as a top-five quarterback. And I agree with you. Um, if Mahomes or Allen or Kyler or Lamar, any of those guys up at the top a slip um, and Dak stays healthy, he could absolutely be top three. And, frankly – number one overall because he was on pace for that last year. Agreed. Yeah, I would I would draft him number four behind Mahomes, Allen, and Murray. Yeah. I'd take him right after that. I'd take him ahead of uh, Lamar. Okay, I like that. I still have Lamar ahead of him because the rushing is so ridiculous with him, and I think the passing gets better. But Dak is right there. He's right above my boy Herbs. Um, but yeah. I, I, I agree there. All right, man, let's move it on to, uh, to big man Zeke. Oh, bro, Zeke. <laughs> Last year when uh, Dak went down, something happened, I guess, to Zeke mentally. I think he just shut it down. He just – he quit caring. He shut it down. And then he started wearing sleeves for some reason. So he's fumbling the football all over the place. I don't know if that's the reason, but that's what I'm giving it. Um, Corey agrees with me on that. He thinks it was the sleeves. But had some fumbling issues he's never had before. Um he did come back. He missed that one game that Pollard played in, and then he came back in that last week and just tore it up. And it was like, okay, he needed competition. Someone came out and made him look bad. Now he's coming back and trying to make that. But uh, I don't know what kind of pictures you've seen of him this offseason, but boy is shredded mm-hmm. 
feed Zeke. They've been feeding him protein and nothing else. I was gonna say, I was they, gonna say, I don't, I don't think they're feeding him much to be honest. Not yet, anyway. They're feeding. I don't know what they're feeding. Maybe they're, maybe they're saving all the snacks for game day. How about that? Maybe. Yeah, they're <laughs> he gets his orange slices on the sideline. Yeah, I'll, I'll feed you on game day, but not until then. Yeah, you gotta you gotta earn that first. But um, yeah, dude, I, I think he's gonna be. And other people are agreeing with me because you're seeing him climb up draft boards here over the summer as people are seeing this news coming out of him looking good and and, uh, watching practice and stuff. So I think, you know, he's starting to work his way back up into the late first round and stuff right now. I'm not sure his exact current ADP, but people are starting to draft him like a top 10 running back again, and he wasn't that way at the beginning of the summer. No, and I think a, a big a big. I'm gonna look it up here real quick. The big part of that, um, I think Kyle was just people needed to see Dak back. Once mm-hmm. once they saw Dak back, it was like okay, you know Zeke is Zeke is somebody we're able to target again because without Dak Prescott, we saw the wheels fall off last year. He still was only 21 yards short of a um, thousand yards currently on NFC, which is the most competitive ADP um, high stakes leagues. He is actually the running back six and going six overall. So he's moved all the way up into the middle of the first round. Uh, Currently at CMC, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor ahead of and then Saquon Eckler and Chubb, the other first round uh, running backs currently. But he's number six and six overall there. Um, We talked about Tyrone Smith trimming out. Zeke trimmed down as well. Uh, He's 218 pounds. Again, for most running backs, a lot of running backs are hoping to weigh that much. You know, Zeke's yeah. a big boy and he's down dude. to he's down to 218 pounds. And that's actually his lowest weight playing weight since the his uh, freshman year at Ohio State in 2013. So eight years later, he's actually been able wow. to trim himself down and uh, he's in phenomenal shape. Um, he led the NFL in 2018 with rushing yards, 1434. Remember that incredible season. And again, he was just about 20 yards shy of a thousand last year. Uh, with a just train wreck in Dallas. So mm-hmm. I expect a huge bounce back from Zeke. And look, I mean, he's been going, what, top three running back for the last three, four years, five years in fantasy, right? So if you're able to get him at number six, um, yeah. I know it doesn't seem like a bargain, but Zeke is in it, like Dak. I mean, Zeke for real, if he gets the passing work and anything happens to Chubb or, excuse me, um, CMC or, or, or Cook or Kamara, anybody up at the top there, I mean, Zeke could straight up be the number one and I certainly believe he could finish top three if everybody stays healthy. Zeke is a rare first-round bargain, I think, and I would absolutely be excited to grab him at value at RB number six. Absolutely. And honestly, like, I'd take him ahead of Taylor. I'd, I'd take him ahead of Kamara, I think. Me too right now. Without Just, Michael Thomas, it's going to be tricky because yeah. Alvin Kamara was averaging like eight fucking you know, uh, um, was it targets per game, which is insane. Yeah. If he's yeah. going to get that kind of work, I mean, he's basically a receiver. But right. I, I hear you that offense is going to be sketchy. All right, let's get into the wide receivers. Now, kind of give me a three-pack here. So let's clump them all together, and then we'll kind of dissect them. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and let's throw in my boy Michael Gallup as well. Yeah, so Michael Gallup, when they drafted him, I was excited because I liked the way he looked and everything. He's and so I was like. Uh, but I, I like the way he looked on tape watching the draft and then uh, thought he'd be a great compliment to Amari Cooper. And then, of course, last year, me being an Oklahoma Sooner fan, 
we draft CD Lamb, and I completely lose my shit uh, <laughs> with excitement. Co- Co- Colorado State. Colorado State, I was way off. Colorado State, yep, not even close. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so they bring CD Lamb in, and right away has a rapport with Dak Prescott and is killing it. Of course, he's ultra talented. I watched him play at OU. Um, so I knew he was going to come in and be a force right away. Uh, and in season two, in year two, I'm even more excited to see how he does. Last year when Dak was healthy, uh, Cooper still dominated targets from Dak. And it, that, I think a lot of that was familiarity. And you kind of saw as each of those first four games went on, you could see the comfortability with CD starting to come into play for Dak and uh, things of that nature. But um, I think it'll be a more even split probably between Cooper and Lamb this year as far as target share goes. Um, I know everybody's on that CD bandwagon in drafts this year, especially in Dynasty, and I totally agree uh, with that. But the problem is with him in Dynasty is you're probably going to end up having to wait another year or two still because Cooper's there for Lamb to be just a truly dominant number one receiver type to kind of anchor your dynasty team. It may not happen this year, man, but I believe this year or next, I think CeeDee Lamb takes over the number one for Dallas. I really do. I just think he's that talented. Amari Cooper's very talented, and he's not that old. I mean, he's just he came in the league at 20 years old, so he's still not that old, but um, he's got these foot issues, man. And they really bother me. Like, he has huge games. I mean, every year he seems to have one game where he goes 200 yards and two, two three touchdowns. But um, CeeDee Lamb is special. And I know the preseason hype is preseason hype. I, you know, I get all that. But um, he's looking good, and Amari Cooper's not out there. You know, he's on the pup. I mean, he's going to miss some time. And that just gives more reps for CeeDee Lamb, more reps for Michael Gallup. And uh, Michael Gallup is somebody that I'm trying to stash in all dynasty formats because either he leaves next year or maybe Amari Cooper leaves next year. Either way, I think there's going to be a position for Michael Gallup next season in, in Dallas or if he moves on to be at least a number two for a squad. And I think he's good enough to eventually be a number one. He's just buried uh, in Dallas. I mean, he's he's arguably the best number three wide receiver in the NFL outside of Tyler Boyd, in my opinion. Um I, I think he's going to be great. He was wide receiver 29 last year in fantasy when Dak was healthy, which doesn't sound amazing. But when you take into consideration, CeeDee <laughs> Lamb and Amari Cooper were also both top 11 wide receivers in PPR mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott healthy. Um, that's that's absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. So Amari Cooper still had 1,000 yards last year for the fifth time in six seasons. Um, he had 92 receptions, which is a career high, finished – top 15 wide receiver in PPR. And then when Dak Prescott was healthy, again, Lamb and Cooper were both top 11. Cooper was eighth in PPR. Lamb was 11th in PPR. Both had about 17 PPR fantasy points per game. And Gallup at the same time was wide receiver 29. And spoiler alert, Dalton Schultz was also number 12 at the same time. And Zeke was crushing it as well. So this offense, I know it's insane numbers to project over a full season. But there's nothing that tells me that they're not going to try to do that again, other than they weren't winning many games. That was the issue in Seattle. Seattle wasn't winning games when they were letting Russ cook, so they shut it down, and then they turned it over, and DK and Lockett disappeared. If Dallas can win games 
and Dak throws 45 times a game and Zeke is getting 25 touches a game, anybody on that roster is going to be going to be fantasy gold. And everybody's at a discount this year, respectively of, you know, they're still all top draft pick, but they're not top, top um, as they might have been if Dak actually finished where he was last year. So I think everybody has a ceiling in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, right now, I mean, you can get Gallup pretty cheap. Uh, oh, he's free. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what, you absolutely should grab him. I mean, that's a steal. You're totally stealing him. But, last, I mean, and the reason they're – I mean, yeah, winning games and stuff, but, like, they're going to throw a lot because that defense, they drafted oh, a lot man. of rookies that – I have some faith in some of them, but the defense is still going to be pretty rough. And uh, they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, I think. And so you'll see you'll see Dak throwing it all over the yard again this year, just like last year. Yeah, I agree. And and Michael Gallup is is one of these. I mean, in fantasy, he's a wide receiver four or five, but in NFL, one of these wide receiver three on his team, like you know Tyler Boyd, Antonio Brown, uh, Mike Williams, he's the number two on his team. But like in fantasy, like some of these guys in the you know eight tenth round that. I think have wide receiver two upside and per usual, if anybody goes down ahead of them, they could really make some steam. So I'm excited to have, I said it last year and I was right until week five. I'm excited yeah. to get a piece or three <laughs> from this Dallas, Dallas offense. I would love to have Dak, but you got to reach for him. I would love to have Zeke, but if you don't get a top five or six pick, you're not going to get Zeke. I would love to have CD or Amari. I, I lean CD personally, but again, those are going to be top three, four round picks as well. So I might just fade all those guys that go gallop and maybe the ends if I can't get the early picks. But I'm all in on Dallas once again. Let's wrap it up. The tight ends, man. Um, any again, Blake Jarwin was a big. You know, he was one of my deep sleepers. Uh, Mike Wright of the fantasy footballers kind of made that popular last year. Um, but uh, you know, I'll, 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 you know, stroke my own beard here and, and say that way before Mike, uh, I had called it out. So I'm, <laughs> I'm saying by that one. But um, Adam Troutman was was an early pick of mine as well this year. But anyway, Mike uh, Blake Jarwin, um, goes down early in the season, out for the year, uh, and then Dalton Schultz come in, and as I mentioned, top twelve tight end with uh, Dak Prescott and everybody else going on here. Um, how do you feel about the tight ends this year? And is there even room for a tight end? And not only the tight end, but now if Jarwin's healthy and Schultz is still good, they got two of them, right? So there's yeah. there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six mouths to feed and Dak <laughs> Prescott in Dallas. I think there's enough targets to go around. Duck, Duck, Dak loves his tight ends. He throws his tight ends like crazy. So I don't think you'll have an issue with tight ends getting – targets i think the issue is like you said there's two of them that are both viable pass catchers i think jarwin they'll lean jarwin more pass catcher he's a little more athletic than uh than schultz but um i think i think schultz last year definitely earned some playing time there but i don't think you'll see either one of them finishing the top 12 again fair enough fair enough i if, if there was only one of them do you think that they would finish top 12 yeah, I think I think Jarwin could be top ten if it was just him again with Dak. I think I think some of those numbers could have been inflated last year. Backup quarterbacks tend to lean on their yeah. safety blanket tight ends a little bit more too. 
Mm-hmm. So some of that could have been inflated because of that, where you saw the numbers for Cooper and CD going down. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think either one of them will finish in the top 12 this year. Fair enough. Mike McCarthy has never had a player, a tight end finish with a rank higher than eighth in fantasy. So Mike McCarthy coached a long time with the saints way back in the day. Uh, he coached with the Packers, obviously all those years. And then with the Cowboys, he's never had a tight end finish top eight in fantasy football. Um, but interesting note here, and you just mentioned Dak Prescott loves his tight ends. In 2019, we'll turn back the clock a little bit because Blake Jarwin went out, Schultz came up, and then Dak got hurt. So last year was a mess. Turn it back an extra season. 2019, old man Jason Witten is still playing. Jarwin is kind of coming up on the scene. Jason Witten finished the season, came out of retirement, and finished the season tight end 11. Came out of the booth and finished tight end 11 in that offense with Dak. Blake Jarwin also finished tight end 28 on the season. If you put their PPR fantasy points together, which I know is rough to say, but just the volume that could happen to the tight end position with Dak Prescott in this offense, if one of those guys is the guy, it was a combined uh, 225 PPR fantasy points, which would have been number two just ahead of George Kittle and right behind Travis Kelsey. So I'm not saying that the Dallas Cowboys tight end will be a top three tight end. I'm saying is the volume is possible and Jason Witten, who literally can't run and just ran a five yard curl, his, you know, final five years of his career in touchdowns and kind of Blake Jarwin um, finished with a total of the number two fantasy tight end in fantasy points. So, well, again, don't hear what I'm not saying, but there is volume there. I'll, I'll, I'll hear that and I'll raise you a, they hadn't drafted CD lamb yet. Yep. True. They have not. They did not. Not. And they, they, I agree with you. Um, at the same, I mean, again, look, we're talking number two. That was like best case scenario. You know, yeah. they, they could, they could fall, say they fall, what, two, three touchdowns. Uh, I don't know, you know, 15, 20 receptions. No big deal. They could still be tight end eight. And, you know, Blake Jarwin and, and Schultz basically aren't even drafted in redraft leagues right now. So, you know, why not give them a shot? And that's a good late round. Uh, Late round pick there. Awesome, yeah. man. Anything to add for your Cowboys before we move on here to the Washington football team? No, I think we pretty well covered it all. I mean, get uh, get your hands on anybody you can out of this offense and sit back and watch them roll. For real. Love that. All right, buddy. I'm going to uh, pay some bills here real quick, and then we will come back for the Washington football team. Why don't you uh, take a quick water break, and I'm going to get through some sponsors, and then we'll uh, get into the football team. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know how we do this. I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors of the program. Let's kick it off with Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. 10% off of your order, seekthespice.com. That's Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana-based, not banana-flavored. Bobby had a taste test on air the other night and uh, loved it. He got the full approval when he was on with our boy, uh, Fantasy Advocate. And then we had Josh McDonough, our good friend from the Kamish FFP, Come on, and uh, he and Bobby shared a bottle as well, and uh, Josh went and had an order too. So um, make sure you go out and get yourself some unique, delicious, banana-based, not banana-flavored hot sauce. Seekthespice.com, promo code TCK for 10% off. You got the white label, which is the nice and mild, that's what I prefer, and the red label, the muy muy, for those of you that enjoy the spice. Palm banana hot sauce, banana-based, not banana-flavored, Seek the Spice. Dot com. Next up, we got the Jersey 
Jungle. Ladies and gentlemen, I rep this relentlessly. I just put in a new order kickoff. I got some fresh jerseys on the way. I can't wait to reveal those to you all. Go to the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. That's where they handle their business, the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. An NFL.com jersey is $120. Okay, it's about $160 if you get any customizations on there. You can go to Jersey Jungle, get the same jersey for 65 bucks at cost, use the promo code TCK, and get 10 to 15% off of that as well. So you can pretty much get three authentic Stitch and Twill jerseys of any sport you like and pr- pretty much any player for the cost of one jersey on NFL.com. Go check them out. The Jersey Jungle on Instagram and TCK is your promo code for 10 to 15% off. And finally, Red Zone draft boards those of you that are getting into fantasy football expo coming up there's gonna be tons of drafts out there roll up to the expo have a draft board in hand draftwithredzone.com tck 10 percent off and here is the list of things that you're able to get three by five draft board 14 teams 20 rounds eligibility 440 player stickers quarterbacks running backs wide receivers tight ends dsts kickers you name it it's in there customized graved ring case so you have the ring and the case that's about 50 bucks by itself we're talking you know 60 for this package right now with the promo code tck you get a last place sign if you want to talk some smack you get exclusive fantasy points cheat sheet so you get fantasy points ppr standard half ppr top 200 top 200 ppr whatever it is redraft dynasty they got them all for you printable sheets at uh fantasy points those as well and then you get wall draft pick order stickers as well so you can flip those around and every draft board that is purchased five dollars of that goes to donations to help kids play sports i'm all about youth sports i've been involved with youth sports for 20 years in my personal life and uh, i'm very passionate about that so five dollars from each draft board that gets purchased goes to help uh, youth play sports in your local communities once again that's draft with red zone dot com red zone draft boards use a promo code tck for 10 percent off all right kyle we'll get you back in here buddy when was the last time you did a live draft with the board and everything everyone oh. took it off for covid you know last year but uh, i had a home league that did it 10 years in a row we're getting back to it this year when was the last time you did a live draft my man oh man it's been a while uh probably six or seven years i uh the the one we used to do it in my work league we uh we started going to kind of a uh like a war room style in our boardroom nice. uh where everybody just has their laptops and it's kind of funny too because every time somebody's picked you hear somebody else's like cue do that little whooshing sound when they're yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yeah dude I haven't done stickers in a while that's it was fun man I kind of miss it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's fun, and, and Bobby brings this up, and I agree with him, because my home league, we have our laptops out, too, for research and everything, right? Mm-hmm. But what we still use the live draft board because it's fun to go pick up your pick, dude. Like, oh, yeah. find your guy, go up there, get the sticker, put it on there, get the draft reaction. You know, half the room's like, oh, dude, that was my dude. And the other half's like, oh, that guy's terrible, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. You, got, you got your confidence. <laughs> you go up. And and then I like looking at the board like it is, you know, color-coded. So you're like, okay, that means a quarterback. That guy went DST in the eighth round, you know. It's fun to look at it that way. 
And then we just input it electronically on our websites as well in real time. So we don't have to do it later, but you can do the live draft in person. So love the draft zone, uh, draft with red zone uh, boards right now. And they got 40% off for the next three days to uh, end August. So go hit up draftwithredzone.com and tell them TCK sent you. Okay, buddy, you broke down the Dallas Cowboys. Now it is my turn for the Washington football team. I'll get into Ryan Fitzpatrick right away. Came in from the Miami Dolphins. Two years ago, comes into Miami and does really well as a starter. Last year, they draft Tua, of course, five overall. And they do this like, we're not going to play Tua because he's like not ready. And then, oh, shit, we got to win games because Fitz is fun, but he's not winning games. So they put Tua in and then they go, oh, shit, Tua's not ready. So they take him out. Then they put Fitz in and he throws three picks in the game. So they bench him and put Tua back in. It was an absolute mess. Disaster. I, 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 the one thing I hope the 49ers don't do this year, and I'm not a huge Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but I'm rooting for him, of course. They cannot, if they put Trey Lance in at all, outside of an injury, they cannot take him out. They cannot do that with rookie quarterbacks. You put your rookie in, outside of an injury, you have to commit. You can't play that yo-yo game. I just think it messed with Tua last year and he couldn't get comfortable. And he said it after the season with the playbook and all that. Yeah. Of the seven games last year that Ryan Fitzpatrick started and finished, he threw for 300-plus yards in three of those, which is solid, and he threw for less than 200 in the other three. So he is terribly up and down. Now, he's got much better weapons than he did last year in Miami, which we're going to get through, of course, um, and very little QB competition. He's got Tyler Heineke, um, Kyle Allen. I'm not worried about either one of those guys. Mm. In the past two seasons with the Dolphins, Fitzpatrick has scored at least 20 fantasy points in 12 of his 14 starts. So when he's in there, he's getting a rush attack. He's not a runner, but he does score rushing touchdowns on occasion, and he's good for 400 yards once or twice a season. So he is a great number two, three quarterback in flex leagues. Probably not going to be drafted much in re, in uh, single quarterback redraft leagues, certainly not in dynasty these days. Mm-hmm. But if you punt quarterback and single quarterback all the way to the end, he is not a terrible flyer. And if you just look to go maybe one or two quarterbacks at the end of your draft and stream them, Ryan Fitzpatrick's got to be in the mix. Yeah, I think I think he'd be a really good streamer to pair with another guy and just play matchups with. But that inconsistency is kind of why he's been a career journeyman too. You know, nobody's ever really committed to him as their franchise guy is because he is, you know, 400 here or less than 200 here kind of guy. But, I mean, they don't call him Fitzmagic for nothing. So he'll have some games in there against really good matchups where he's going to light it up for you. There's two crazy stats for Ryan Fitzpatrick over his career. He's never played in a playoff game, which I find incredible for his longevity. And he's never thrown for 4,000 yards because you would think he would with his averages, but he doesn't play full seasons. Like even when he was with Jameis and and Tampa Bay was – exploding and Jameis and Fitzpatrick that year combined were the quarterback two on the season, but they each played half a season. Basically yeah. he did the same with Tua last year. So we'll see what actually happens with Washington football team, but Ryan Fitzpatrick and Cam Newton are two quarterbacks at the end of your draft that aren't getting drafted in single quarterback leagues that I personally feel if they play 14 plus games and stay healthy, they could absolutely be back in QB ones. Honestly, Cam with the rushing, obviously, and Patrick potentially going nuts with all these weapons. So we talked about, you know, all the receiving weapons. Let's talk about the running backs though, really quick. And and coincidentally, the two main, well, the three main running backs 
Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and rookie Jarrett Patterson uh, out of Buffalo. Antonio Gibson is a converted wide receiver. Mm-hmm. J.D. McKissick is also a converted wide receiver. And Jarrett Patterson is is not a pass catcher per se, but he's a he's a a, a great, I think, utility back that's going to have longevity in the NFL, in my opinion. Gibson came on as a rookie, got a slow start like most of them did, but he scored at least 12 PPR fantasy points in eight of his 11 games. Then the toe injury in week 13 slowed him down the rest of the season over the final five weeks there. Gibson ended the season with 170 attempts, 795 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Obviously, double-digit touchdowns for a rookie is excellent. Mm -hmm. 36 catches on 44 targets, so great efficiency and good volume there as well, especially with J.D. McKissick with the most targets in the NFL for a running back. But just 247 yards and no touchdowns. So Gibson had a lot of volume and got the catches but didn't have um, yardage and and touchdowns there, obviously. He was a running back. 13 in half PPR last year, running back 12 in full. And then J.D. McKissick, like I said, led the NFL with 110 targets. That was ahead of Alvin Kamara last year, total targets, 6.9 per game, which is incredible, 29 targets over two games in weeks 9-10. He had 14 targets and 15 targets in back-to-back weeks, which is absolutely insane. Very high, though. This is where I think we got to pump the brakes on J.D. McKissick. It was exciting. And not like people are, you know, grabbing him quickly, but I, I just feel like even if you're going like zero RB, he's a good guy for that. But otherwise, pump the brakes. First of all, Alex Smith is gone, and he's notorious for dumping down. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't necessarily do that. Totally. And uh, J.D. McKissick's previous career high carries was 46. He had 83 last year. His previous targets, also 46. Last year led the NFL with 110. I think it was game script. I think it was, you know, a, a mishmash of offense in general and that running game and Alex Smith, um, which allowed JD McKissick to propel himself up there. But just three total touchdowns in 2020. He ranked 30th, or excuse me, the team overall ranked 30th in the NFL in offensive yardage per game last year and 25th in points scored. Those are both going to uh, go up significantly this year. First of all, second year with Ron Rivera. Um, secondly, it's it's Antonio Gibson gets another year. J.D. McKissick gets another year. Um, they bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we know for better or worse is a gunslinger. Even if it turns into Taylor Heineke, it's his second year in the program as well. I think that's going to be uh, positive for them you know, as well. And then just a quick note on Jarrett Patterson. He's a dynasty stash right now, but I think he's Gibson's handcuff. It would not be J.D. McKissick. It would be um, Jarrett Patterson, in my opinion. Um, not Peyton Barber, Lamar Miller, some of these journeyman guys they have in the in the backfield there. It's going to be Jarrett Patterson. So love me some Antonio Gibson. They also have great offensive line. They drafted uh, uh, Sam Cosme from Texas, who was one of my top offensive tackles this year in the second round, 51st overall. Um, I love that. So uh, – Lot of lot of good news here for for the run game, which should help protect. Might lower his attempts, but hopefully he you know draws up draws up that defense and he can go up over the top. How do you feel about the backfield at large for the Washington Football Team? Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Jarrett Patterson. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said uh, completely. I think um, I think Gibson, uh, you were talking about you know McKissick had career high receptions, and I think Gibson earned a larger share of those catches out of the backfield. Like I said, there won't be as many. Fitz doesn't uh, 
dumped down as often as Alex Smith does, but I think you'll see Gibson get a few more catches out of the backfield, and you'll probably see McKissick get significantly less. Um, mm-hmm. And you were talking about the double digits for uh, touchdowns for a rookie being really, really good. And if I remember right, uh, he had three in one game against my boys uh, yeah, last did. year. So um, he tore him up twice. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not a big uh, Washington fan as a team, but big Gibson fan as a player for sure. Especially, yeah, for for fantasy. I agree. I agree. Antonio Gibson right now going in the second round um, for you, Kyle. Is that, is that a fair price for you right now? Do you believe that he can um, – I mean, really, if you're going in the second round, that's either your RB2, which is great, or it's your RB1 if you've gone, say, Kelsey or a wide receiver um, in non-superflex, obviously. Um, are you comfortable with Antonio Gibson as your RB1? Yeah, I'd be comfortable. If I end up with a Kelsey or you know an A.J. Brown or something like that in the first round, Give me some Gibson in the second. Totally. Nice. I like that. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers here. A large class of guys here to talk about for fantasy football. At the top, of course, Terry McLaurin. 87 receptions last year, 134 targets. Love the workload. 1,118 yards and four touchdowns across 15 games. He played on two high ankle sprains. A high ankle sprain ended Saquon Barkley's season. Yeah. Terry McLaurin played on two of them That's last year. Um, he, <laughs> reminds me of, he reminds me of A.J. Brown, like his play style. He reminds me of A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown also played last year on two bad knees. And then he reminds me of Allen Robinson in that he's dominated with terrible quarterbacks. Yeah. And and now Allen Robinson and, and uh, Terry McLaurin are each getting the best quarterback they've had over their careers so far. And I expect both of them to – take a significant leap. So I like that quite a bit. Um, Curtis Samuel comes over from the Panthers, reunites with Ron Rivera, but this is a different style than he ran um, in Carolina. He -hmm. thrived in like the short intermediate kind of like Debo Samuel role, if you will. Catch the ball, make a play. He was a running back at Ohio State hybrid, right, with with, um, uh, Urban Meyer. So he can he gets carries out of the backfield, gets those jet sweeps that are getting more popular, and he just kind of he's not really a deep target. Two years ago, though, this is that like unrealized air yards, which like fantasy Twitter likes to have as a a cool stat to talk about. Realized air yards, which means basically what that means is they were just throwing bombs to him that he couldn't catch. So it was either underthrown, overthrown. He didn't catch one or another, but he was getting the deep throws. Last year, he was getting the intermediate stuff. I think that's going to continue. Um, the the deep routes is going to continue. If it does, I think that's actually going to hurt Curtis Samuel because they bring in my boy Deami Brown, who I absolutely love out of Carolina. Um, he went 55 for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns last year. He's a deep threat, dynasty stash, uh, but he could fit Fitzpatrick's role great. Like, let's remember, you know, Mike Evans blew up for Fitz in Tampa Bay, right? Um, then we had Devontae Parker in Miami who finally broke out with Fitzpatrick as well. Deami Brown fits that system and play style than Curtis Samuel for sure. And of course you have uh, Terry McLaurin on top of that. So I know there's like, there's a lot of hype for Curtis Samuel. Uh, he's going as wide receiver 43 right now. Um, about the, you know, seventh round, sixth round, seventh round or so. Uh, but personally, I'd rather have Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Jerry Judy, Mike Williams, and Antonio Brown going in that same range, and most of them going after him currently. So I'm pumping the brakes on Curtis Samuel. Love Terry McLaurin. Love 
Deami Brown, although we'll probably have to wait for him. And another name just to throw out there because there's a lot of preseason hype, Adam Humphreys. Um, I don't expect a huge role necessarily for fantasy, but he's kind of a, a poor man's, uh, you know, PPR guy, you know, someone who might get, you know, seven, eight targets per week. He gets a significant role, comes over from the Titans, but before that he was with Fitzpatrick in Tampa Bay. Um, so they're showing a really nice early connection in camp right now, and they were former teammates. So I always look out for stuff like that. They already have the rapport. That you walk in the locker room, you're like, hey, I know you. I know what you're where you're going to break. I know your routes. I know when you're going to slow down. I know where you're going to cut up or an option route. Like they're familiar with each other where Fitz isn't with the other guys. So just a name to, to kind of keep up. And then you have the Sims brothers and uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden as well. Um, big rookie from last year who I think could be good eventually, but not quite yet. So a ton of names. Primarily, though, we're talking about Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and the dynasty stash, De'Ami Brown. Yeah, and you know, since they got De'Ami Brown, he could Rivera might have seen the way they were using him in Carolina last year, Curtis Samuel, and decide to maybe deploy him the same way. Maybe now in this offense. Hope so. <laughs> um, if they do, that'll be great for fantasy. I think it'll be great for their football team too, because um, he definitely definitely excelled in that uh, in that respect. And of course, Scary Terry is just ridiculous so i mean who who plays on two high ankle sprains come on bro like <laughs> but uh no what something just quick side note there that i thought was funny i didn't realize until you were talking about curtis samuel so they have a running back turned receiver and a receiver turned running back yep two uh, two uh two receiver turned running back yeah they just they just flipped uh flipped uh, positions there i thought that was kind of funny yeah <laughs> They're making they're making the most of it. And another another side note has nothing to do with fantasy, but just a character mention that I read the other day. Um, Terry McLaurin, we talk about playing on his two high ankle sprains, and people are like, "Dude, like, why wouldn't you sit out, or why didn't you get help, or miss game, or whatever?" And uh, basically, with Alex Smith going through literally almost losing his leg and his life at one point, and then trying to resurrect his career and the comeback story of of all time, frankly. Um, in, in in football, that happening while uh, Ron Rivera is battling cancer during the global pandemic of, of coronavirus. Yeah. All of these things are happening, plus other injuries on the team and such. Um, you know, again, uh, uh, Antonio Gibson had his, his uh, issue. They had uh, offensive line issues and things like that. All of those things happening. Terry McLaurin straight up said to a reporter that I read, the guy was like, Hey man, you had bad knee, like you had bad ankles. Why don't you shut it down? You're a young player. Don't jeopardize it. And he was like, man, I felt like I had the least to complain about in that locker room. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit down when my coach, my quarterback, my running back, my linemen, you know, other people on the squad are, are fighting bigger battles than I am. You know, if I can tape it up and get out there, I'm going to be out there. And I just, I really appreciated like the human element of that mm-hmm. comment, just straight up, just like dude's a gamer. I appreciated that. And um, look, if he's too injured to play, he's not going to play. That's the reality. But he was able right. to go out there and it comes out later that he was hurt. And look, I mean, we found out that Tom Brady played on a torn meniscus all season. Like what the fuck? These guys are superheroes, right? Um, yeah, for real. Or non, non-human, I should say at least. Uh, but I just like that character move. Like if Terry McLaurin can go, he's going. And, and I, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I do too. Okay, let's move on to the 
tight end position, Logan Thomas. Every year for the last four or five years, there has been a tight end that has gone from the depths of fantasy drafts or undrafted, come out of nowhere, and won people leagues. It was Zach Ertz, then it was George Kittle, then it was uh, Mark Andrews, and then it was um, Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson uh, and Noah Fant to a certain extent. And now it was Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon this year. Who's it going to be this year? Robert Tunyon did get paid just a couple of days ago. Um, 72 catches last year on 110 targets. 100 targets for a tight end is fantastic work. But again, a lot of that has to do with Alex Smith. Alex Smith loves the tight end. He loves to dump down to running backs. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we'll see what happens. He's more of a gunslinger downfield, so we'll see what happens with Logan Thomas there. 670 yards and six touchdowns played an entire season. Let's not forget, Logan Thomas was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals as a quarterback. So he has been transitioning into a tight end for the last two seasons, and we know that rookie tight ends that come in take a few years usually to kind of get the position. Logan Thomas could just be hitting his prime as a tight end, which is excellent. So that, I think, is is fantastic. We'll see what Fitz does with him. He had 19% target share on his team. Uh, that was sixth most among all tight ends, so he's getting that work, which is great. He finished tight end four overall and tight end six in PPR fantasy points per game in 2020. Right now he's going as the tight end eight in ADP. So I did a little did a little research and did a little math on our boy Rob Gronkowski, who happened to finish as the tight end eight last year and um, took the numbers of uh, Logan Thomas, who is going as the tight end eight this year. So Logan Thomas, again, finished tight end four last year with um, 72 catches, 670 yards, and six touchdowns. Gronk finished tight end eight with 45 catches, 623 yards, and seven touchdowns. Very similar numbers, but we know with the tight end, like it only takes 30 yards, a touchdown, five catches. Like it's not much between, you know, four and eight. But what I was thinking to myself is a lot of people love Logan Thomas because of last year, and a lot of people are fading him because of a number of reasons. Too many weapons, Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith is gone, blah, blah, blah. It was a fluke. So I started thinking to myself, like, where do I stand on this? Well, I don't think he's going to be the tight end four this year, but drafting him as the tight end eight in like the seventh round, six, like you're probably punting anyway. Even if he, even if he fades, okay, comparing him to Gronk who finishes tight end eight where Logan Thomas is going. If Logan Thomas fades 30 receptions, which is a lot, he fades 30 receptions, about 50 yards and a touchdown, he could still be last year's tight end eight. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to have the work. Touchdowns could even go up because they have so many other weapons. Like people have to account for somebody, and Logan Thomas could could easily have six touchdowns again, maybe even eight, and uh, the yardage could even, even go up on on less uh, receptions there. So I think Logan Thomas is not a he's not a bargain, but I don't think you should overpay for him either. I think he's just like a safe, gonna finish where you draft him pick, and sometimes. Julian Edelman was that guy for years. Jarvis Landry's that guy. Robert Woods is that guy. It's not sexy to pick him. And on draft day, you're kind of like, uh, Logan Thomas. But look, man, <laughs> Logan Thomas is going to have weak winning weeks because it's a tight end position. And if he finishes top eight, that's going to propel your team when so many other teams are fading because if a top guy gets hurt at the tight end, you're hurting, right? So sometimes okay. you just need those safe guys. You need fantasy points every single week. Logan Thomas, I think, is a safe option that will give you weekly fantasy points. Do you have a thought on Logan Thomas? You were on the mock draft here. You're an early tight end guy. So I don't see you personally ending up with Logan Thomas, 
But if you don't end up getting one of your top three tight ends, would he be somebody you're looking for in the middle rounds, or are you just going to pass all those guys and go to the end? Uh, yeah, if I don't get one of my top guys, I'm totally going to shoot for someone like Logan Thomas because, like you said, for some reason people are – like he's, he's not a sexy pick. So he drops further than he should, and, yeah, those are the kind of guys you're looking for. Um, I did have some pieces of him last year. I grabbed him off of waivers when Kittle went down and uh, or traded for him or whatever. But, uh, you know, if you can get him in that round, if you don't like drafting tight ends early, I think he's a really, really good one. And, I mean, I don't think – yeah, they got a couple more weapons now uh, at receiver, but – like you said, Fitz likes to throw it around or whatever. Gesicki had a career year last year with mm-hmm. uh, Fitz throwing the ball around. He was throwing to Gesicki quite a bit. So I don't I don't think he's afraid to throw to a tight end. So yeah, I, I would totally shoot for him. Awesome. awesome. I think it's a good I think it's a good pick too. Last mention here. We almost never talk about DSTs uh in <laughs> fantasy football. For but but I want to give a shout out for those of you that play DSTs. Target the Washington football team. If you're in a dynasty, I'm in a dynasty league that does have DST. Most dynasty leagues do not have DSTs or kickers. I'm in a dynasty league with DSTs. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers and I have the Washington football team. I should be good on the defensive side for five years at least. And I can swap them out depending on the matchup. Young, best defensive line in the league uh, and maybe the best position group in the league as a whole, honestly, in real football terms. Last year, they finished uh, defense six. Uh, they're going as the defense three, so they're not cheap. It's basically the Rams and the Steelers and the Washington football team. And I know this is going to go over a lot of people's heads, so whatever. But if you're going for a defense, you need a defense. The Washington football team is a great one. They, they make plays. They don't give up a lot of points. It's going to be a, a, a low-scoring, not low-scoring necessarily, but low-game script. Um, and here's the deal, man. Fitzpatrick throws interceptions. That DST is back on the field, and that's more opportunity for sacks with Chase Young uh, and you know back-end uh, interceptions and things like that too. So keep an eye on the DST uh, there, number three, Washington football team. All right, buddy, any other thoughts here about the football team or if something came up about your Dallas Cowboys before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, just my only thought was uh, you want to talk DST. Do not draft Dallas's defense. <laughs> that's a uh, um, top, top analysis, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Do not draft. Uh, that's about all I got for you. <laughs> that, 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 that's why we bring on the big guns uh, to make sure. Yeah, Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, man, it's they've been so frustrating, man. Because Sean Lee was one of my favorite players in the league, and he couldn't oh, healthy. Lee. Yeah, and and late, I, I'm really worried that Leighton Vander Esch is the same dude. Just unbelievable when he's healthy, but he can't and stay the, healthy. You know, Luke Keekley was the same thing. Yeah, Keekley was that way. He had a few healthy years before he retired, but uh, the difference between Leighton Vander Esch and Sean Lee is Sean Lee, he blew his knees out like eight times a piece. Right. Uh, Vander Esch keeps having neck issues, and that's way more dangerous. Neck and head, yeah. So I could totally see his career being shortened um, because of those injuries. And I think that's part of the reason we drafted Michael Parsons this year was to replace him. He'll walk next year. Vander Esch will, uh, which is too bad. I don't know. You ever see that uh, 
that old show uh, Blue Mountain State about mm-hmm. football. Mm-hmm. I always called Leighton Vanderesh Thad Castle because he looks so much like him <laughs> when he's smiling and running Big all over the field, ball. dude. Looks just like him. So I'm going to miss Thad Castle on the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. But for his own health, man, I just – it scares me. Yeah, I agree. And it's unfortunate to see these guys go off like that. And I wish the uh, I just wish the NFL could turn off injuries for one season, man. It would be just one season. Is that if, if, if everybody could stay healthy, you know, because every year we're like, this guy would have been good if he stayed healthy or this guy wouldn't have been this guy wouldn't have even been a thing like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Mike Davis is not even a thing if Christian McCaffrey doesn't get hurt. Period. Now he's a starter no. for Atlanta. That's yeah, which is which that. is which like he's not gonna be after eight weeks. Like, I'm sorry, like no offense to the guy, but he's just not that type of dude. He's been trying for years. So anyway, it's unfortunate. You see these incredible all-world athletes, and very, 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 very few of them have a career, let alone three to five years of health. You know, even the guys that you consider healthy, and I'm not gonna jinx anybody and name names right now, but even the guys you consider healthy. Yeah, even the guys you consider healthy miss a game here, miss a game there, sit out a game here, shut it down because you might get an injury because you felt something last week. Um, you guys got you know guys coming off the field all the time. Just, it's really frustrating. I just wish we could see all of our crew just going ham for one year and see where these numbers one actually year. get because that would be absolutely, absolutely incredible. Kyle, man, it's been a pleasure once again. I appreciate you coming on. We got to get Broski on here. Uh, yeah. Corey will be on eventually. Um, my man's doing other things again. We've been teasing each time, so I'm just going to tease, but not. Tell. Um, you guys have some great things cooking behind the scenes. Very excited about that. Uh, hopefully coming out maybe next month if we're ready to go before the season. Um, but I'll just kind of leave it there for the TCK Potters. I'm very excited to be a part of what you guys have going down before we get out of here, man, please let the TCK Potters know where we can find everything. Boom bust. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Instagram at Boombus Fantasy Football, Twitter at Boom at I forgot what my Twitter is. It's just BB Football, I think. I forgot. BB BB Football, yeah. BB Football, um, and then Boombus Fantasy dot Football is our website. So hit us up, man. Yeah, we'll, we need to get you on uh, on one of our shows one of these days. Bobby and I are game anytime, brother. Absolutely. Thinking about putting together a group to do a mock draft on there one of these days uh, soon. Maybe I'm, maybe try this weekend if you're available. I'm game, buddy. Let's make it happen. Cool, anytime. Cool. Anytime. Always a pleasure, man. I want to give a shout-out once again to our sponsors, Draft Red Zone Board. Go to draftwithredzone.com, bombbananahotsauce, seekthespice.com, and the Jersey Jungle, the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Use the promo code TCK for each one of those, and I want to make sure that everybody knows that this episode was brought to you by Bet Online, your online sports betting experts. This is episode 420, breaking down the NFC East team previews for the Washington football team and Dallas Cowboys. Bobby and special guests will be bringing up the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York football Giants coming up next. Enjoy the rest of your week and weekend from my man Kyle Dozier and the rest of the Boom Bust Fantasy. I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.